message this morning. And the first thing that needs to happen is we need to understand the family must be led to worship the Lord. Led to worship the Lord. Look again. Verse 14. Joshua starts out. He says, now, therefore, fear the Lord. That word fear means reverence. It also means be faithful unto the Lord. Now, Joshua, he's talking to the family, and he's letting the families know. He, he wants them to understand that they are to fear the Lord, and to fear the Lord begins at home. Now, let me, let me drive this point home to you, parents. Listen to me. We have the mistaken idea that we bring our children to church to teach them to worship. That's wrong. We don't bring our kids to church to teach them to worship. We bring them to church so they can practice their worship. Kids are to be taught to worship God at home by and with the parents. Later on, Joshua's going to talk about serving the Lord. Matter of fact, in this passage, depending on which translation you're reading, he uses the word serve 12 to 15 times. And it means to fear God in the Hebrew language. That word serve that he uses means to fear God. It means to obey God. It means to worship only God. So listen to me, parents, grandparents, above everything else, the number one lesson parents need to teach their children is to fear the Lord. Reverence the Lord to get under His authority and understand what it means to know and to do the will of God in their life. That is our first and foremost responsibility. Now understand, you're never going to get away from the fact that the home, the way God intended it to be, it begins and it ends with Almighty God. Paul says in Ephesians 6 verse 4, that we're to bring our children up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. That means in the, in the, the training and the instruction of the Lord. Now, mom and dad, God has given us the responsibility of being uh, spiritual trainers for our kids, of spiritually training our children. And listen, it's not an option. It's a command. It's not something you can just opt out of. You're commanded by God's Word to spiritually train your children. And the most important lesson we can teach our kids is about how to know God, how to love God, and how to worship God. The bottom line of good parenting is to point our children to God. Why is that so important? Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Let me put that in modern English. What's being said is knowing God results in every other kind of understanding. When you know God, you understand a whole lot more than you'll ever understand when you don't know God. Let me give you another verse. Paul says in Philippians 3, in verse 8, he says... Uh, he said, I can't all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ my Lord. You know what Paul's saying? He's saying everything else is worthless when compared to the priceless gain of knowing Jesus Christ. Folks, I want you to listen to me. And let me be straight with you. It does not matter how much your kids know if they don't know God. It doesn't matter. Because knowing God is the basic foundation of all life. Now, I want you to understand, it's not enough, parents, to talk about God. It's not enough to talk about God. Do you realize we have parents all across the nation today that aren't even Christians, and they talk about God. They talk about a higher power. They talk about the man upstairs. They talk about, you know, this God or, or that God. But that's not enough. 
What we need to do is make sure we point our kids to the only God there is. That's the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we need to point our children to Jesus Christ because only through Him can they have a relationship with God. And it's our responsibility, parents. Believe it or not, it's not the church's. It's not Brother Damon's. It's not my first responsibility. It's yours. Point your children to Jesus Christ. Incidentally, do you know why? one of the reasons why you've got to lead your kids to worship God? Maybe you never thought about this, but the worship of God protects you against the storms of life. It protects you. Those storms that, folks, inevitably and, and with certainty are going to come into our lives. Now, life is full of storms. It's, it's always tornado season in the human life, right? I mean, you just never know when it's going to touch down. And let me ask you something. When it comes to tornadoes, and those of you that are not born and raised in Oklahoma, you may have to guess on this, but those of us from Oklahoma, we understand this question. When it comes to a tornado touching down and a tornado and a storm comes like that, what do we need? What do we look for? Shelter, a hidey hole. We look for, folks, a place of safety and security, right? Let me share another verse with you, Proverbs 14, 26. And I want to read this out of one of the, the modern English translations. It says, Reverence or worship for God gives a man deep strength and confidence. His children have a place of refuge and security. Did you catch that, dads? When you worship God, Truly, and, and, and with your heart, you worship God. You give your kids a place of refuge. You give your kids a place of security. Now, I know that some of you, maybe you became Christians later in life, and maybe you don't have children at home anymore. But I want to tell you, it's never too late to know God. And it's never too late to influence children or grandchildren or somebody else's grandchildren with, uh, for God. It's never too late to do that. You know, I, I made a comment about my dad this morning. I was... Of course, Father's Day coming around. I've been thinking a lot about Dad, and my brother and I was talking on the phone the other day about the legacy that Dad left for, for us. And what a great legacy he left, not only in his life, but in the way he died. The legacy that he left for my brother and I. He wanted us to have the refuge and the shelter with the same God that he knew. And he left that legacy for us. And he admonished us before he died. Pass this on. To your kids. If you don't do anything else in life, pass this legacy on to your kids. And so my brother and I do the best we can to pass that legacy on. That started with my dad, actually with grandfathers, actually with great-grandfathers. And let me say this to you. Do you want a Christian home that will last, friends? Do you want a legacy that will last through the generations? Then you make sure, Dad, that you lead your family to worship God. Number two, the second thing, the family must be led to work for the Lord. Look at verse 14 again. <clears throat> Joshua then charged his family, Now therefore fear the Lord, or reverence the Lord, and serve Him in sincerity and in truth. Now let me give you a great truth here. True worship always motivates you to get involved in God's work. You hear what I'm telling you? When you truly worship God, and you, I'm talking about when you really truly worship Him, and your heart overflows with Him, you get so full of God, you just want to do something for God. 
Can you say amen? You know what I'm talking about? There are two ways you lead your children to serve the Lord. One, first off, is by example. Now, I want to say this. I want to make it real clear. Every parent ought to be serving the Lord some way in the church. Now, it may be through a formal ministry. It may be through an informal ministry. It may be through a ministry on Sundays. It may be through a ministry on Mondays. But every parent, by his or her example, should show their children why it's important to serve the Lord. And that's something that blessed my heart this past week when I saw all these parents in Bible school, not just with their kids, but serving somebody else's kids as well, being an influence on somebody else's kids. Set an example. Number two, the second way, you ought to teach your children to serve the Lord by encouragement. Now, let me say this. Don't ever discount the fact that your kids, both children and teenagers, need to learn early in life how to serve the Lord. But don't discount this, parents. When your kids get out of the house, sometimes they need encouragement to continue serving the Lord. I'm going to tell you, that's of great value, Mom and Dad. I can remember years ago, we were at one of the churches I was at. We were building onto the parsonage and, and remodeling part of the church, building onto the church and putting a baptistry. I don't remember what all we was doing, but <clears throat> not long after I came, to that church, they said, well, we've been wanting to get this done. we got the money set aside. We don't have anybody to do it. We don't know who to get a hold of. Nobody in the church does this kind of work. I said, let me make a couple phone calls. And the next day, my dad, Marsha's dad, brothers, other folks showed up. And they began to work, began to build. Now, people say, well, it's not their church. My dad's attitude was, it's Jesus' church, isn't it? Doesn't it belong to Jesus? Then we're going to work. We're going to take care of it. And I remember I had a lot going on at the church, and I had a funeral to preach the next day. Uh, and I think, uh, I, I don't know, I had a children's program, something that night, and just had a lot going on. And I was trying to work with my dad and my father-in-law and the other guys that were there. And, <clears throat> and Dad could tell. He just pulled me aside. He said, son, he said, I just want to help you a minute. You know I love you, right? I said, yeah, Dad, I know you do. He said, then let me be straight with you. God didn't call you down here to build a house. He said, so let me encourage you to do what God called you to do. He said, that's to preach his word and lead this church. He said, we can handle this building. You go study, get ready to preach, and you lead the church. I'm going to tell you something. I don't care how old you get. That encouragement from Dad or from Mom makes a world of difference, amen? Now, I'm going to tell you, I miss it <clears throat> every day. You know, I was thinking, <laughs> I was thinking about uh, encouraging kids. And uh, Marsha and I, we, we try to encourage our kids. We encourage them all the time. Sometimes I encourage them in the wrong direction. Marsha has to correct that, but I still encourage them. You know, when they were younger, I couldn't get away with saying they done it. When you get a little older, you start saying that. And, you know, you encourage them to do uh, maybe what they shouldn't do. But that type of encouragement, Dad, listen to me. That builds that relationship with your daughter, with your son. And that type of encouragement, that type of love, and that type of togetherness doesn't happen unless you're present. Unless you're in their life. 
there's a good encouragement. And whether you realize or not, let me say this. Your kids are picking value, your values up. Whether you teach them formally or not, they're watching you. And they're picking up what you value. And, and they're seeing what's important in your life. And let me, let me remind you of something. It doesn't matter what you say is important. Uh-uh. But, but let me tell you what you do. That's what they see. Where you spend your time. Where you spend your money. See, your bank book and your calendar tells your kids or your grandkids what's important to you. If you value the church, they're going to know it. If you value serving in the church, they're going to know it. If you value ministry in the church, they're going to know it. And while we're talking about serving in ministry, let me say this. The fact is everybody serves something or somebody. Everybody does. That's why Joshua says in verse 15, choose for yourself today. Choose you this day whom you'll serve. Now, I want you to listen to me. You don't get a choice of whether or not you serve somebody. You're going to serve somebody. But you do get a choice of who you're going to serve. Now, some of you folks my age and a little older, you'll know who I'm talking about here. Some of the younger folks may have heard the name. They have no idea. There was a guy named Bob Dylan. And uh, what are you all laughing about? Uh, Back in 1979, he wrote a song. I want you to listen to the lyrics of this song. He said, you may be an ambassador to England or France. You may like to gamble. You may like to dance. You may be the heavyweight champion of the world. You might be a socialite with a long string of pearls, but you're going to have to serve somebody. He says, you may be a construction worker working on a home. You might be living in a mansion. You might live in a dome. You may own guns. You may even own tanks. You may be somebody's landlord, and you may even own banks, but you're going to have to serve somebody. I'm going to tell you, that's true, folks. The truth is you're serving some God right now. You're either serving the true God or you're serving a false God, but you're serving one right now. Everybody serves some God. Even the atheist who claims they don't believe in God, they're still serving a God. It may be the God of self or the God of ego or success or sex or money or, or pleasure, but everybody serves some God. This reminds me of a little boy I heard about at a wedding. He was about eight or nine years old, and, and uh, he was at a wedding. He wanted to be involved in it. Now, he was a little young to be an usher, but he really wanted to take part in the wedding. So an older gentleman took him aside, and this little boy's name was Robert. He said, Robert, let me explain to you, uh, son. Uh, give you some pointers. And he was going to give him the etiquette uh, of escorting people at a wedding. He said, you need to ask the ladies if they are guests of the bride or the groom. That way you know where to see them. He said, okay. And he was excited about it. First lady comes to the door. He run over to her, and he stuck his arm out for her to grab a hold of. And he knew he was supposed to ask her something, but he couldn't think of the words. And he stood there a minute, stood there a minute, finally said, okay. He said, whose side you on, lady? Let me tell you something, friend. Everybody is on one side or the other. Everybody listen to me this morning. You're on one side or the other. You're either serving God or you're serving somebody else. There is no third option. If you want to have a home that's strong, and I'm talking to parents, especially dads again, you want a home that's strong, you want a home that's united, you want a home that makes a difference in the world around them and for eternity, then lead your family to work for the Lord. There's a third thing. You lead your family to worship the Lord. Lead them to work for the Lord. But the third thing you need to do, the family must be led to walk with the Lord. Back again, verse 14. 
Joshua says, put away the gods which your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. In effect, you know what Joshua's saying? He's saying, don't even keep false gods hanging around you. Get rid of them. He's saying, you, you separate yourself from false gods, from false truths, from false religions, and you walk with the Lord. Now, from, listen to me. Friend, one of the greatest things that you'll ever do for your kids is teach them early on how to have proper priorities in life. I think we've forgotten how valuable that lesson is. Proper priorities. When you, when you go to church, you teach them that God's important. Listen to me, parents. When you read your Bible and they see you reading and studying, and then you read with them, they understand that God's Word's important. When you pray for them, they see you pray, and you pray for them, they understand that fellowship with God is important. And let me say this, when they see you living a clean and a pure life, and they see by what you do, by what you say, by where you go, by what you see, by what you hear, you teach them that holiness to God is important. The Bible says about Jesus in Luke chapter 2, verse 52, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Did you hear how Jesus grew? First, he grew in wisdom, that's intellectual growth. Then it says he grew in stature. That's physical growth. Then it said he grew in favor with God. That's spiritual growth. Then he grew in favor with man. That's social growth. That's the exact same thing, folks. That's what we're trying to do with our children when we teach them to walk with the Lord. We're, we're growing them with a balanced life. Because you teach them to walk with the Lord, they will love God with all their mind. They're going to grow mentally. They'll love God with all their strength. They'll grow physically. They'll love God with all their soul. They'll grow socially. They'll love God with all their heart. They will grow spiritually. Now, the truth is this. Let me just get to where the rubber meets the road. I can stand up here and talk till I'm blue in the face. I can stand up here and preach on this till the second coming. I can tell you what you need to do, even how to do it. But the bottom line is a decision on your part has to be made. You have to decide. <clears throat> Look at verse 15. Let's read the whole verse again. If it's disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourself today whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served, which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Folks, all that I've been talking about comes down to this point, down to this decision. What God are you and your family going to serve? Now, there are some things that are optional in life, and you make decisions on. You can decide where you're going to live. You can decide what house you're going to live in. You can decide where you're going to work or what car you're going to drive. But let me tell you again, there are some things you don't get a choice. And I want to repeat, you will serve somebody. You will serve somebody. You don't have a choice in that. The choice you do have in the matter is who are you going to serve? God or self? The real God or a false God? So choose this day whom you will serve. You may sit there and think, well, you know what? I, I don't have to choose. Well, you just did. You just did. You know, choices are they're kind of funny things, aren't they? Decisions, they're, they're, they're funny because to not make a decision, you make a decision. I'll illustrate it. And I know we've all done this. Laying in bed, the alarm clock goes off. We reach over. Maybe not that hard, but you reach over and shut it off. Sometimes it's that hard. You reach over and shut it off. And then you say something like this. I just, uh, I just can't decide whether I want to get up or not. You just did. Are you following me? 
You just did, friend. When you refused to get up, you decided to continue lying there in bed. So you made a decision. I want you to listen to what Joshua said again. Again, verse 15, last sentence. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Parents, all parents here, but especially parents who are members of this church, listen close to your pastor. I want you to notice something. Maybe you hadn't caught as many times you read this verse. Joshua's children did not have a choice. Are you following me? Joshua said, I'm the leader of my home. And as for me and my house, my home, we're going to serve the Lord. We are going to serve the Lord. Now, let me just be as delicate as, who am I kidding? I can't be delicate. Let me explain it to you. Joshua's saying, in effect, as long as they're my children and they eat at my table, they sleep under my roof, they're going to be under my authority, then they are going to serve the Lord. No questions asked. That's what they're going to do. Now, parents, if you have children, I want to make it clear, you have children who are living in your home and they're not going to church and they're not living the way they ought to live, understand me real clear. God's not going to hold them accountable. He's going to hold you accountable. They're under your authority. And dads, primarily the responsibility and the accountability falls on your shoulders first, not mine. Don't be intimidated by the threat of turning your children against church. I've heard this so much over the years, I'm sick of hearing about it. Listen, you didn't turn your children against bathing by making them take a bath when they were kids, did you? Did you turn them against eating by making them eat at mealtimes when they were little? Well, I'm going to tell you something. You're not going to turn a child against church by making them go to church. If a child decides when they get older that, that they don't want to go to church, it's not because you made them go to church. Now, they may tell you that. That's a lie. That's an excuse. They choose whether they'll go or not. You following me? Several thousand years ago, this guy named Joshua, what a man he was, what a leader he was. He stood up in front of an entire nation. And he said, you choose what you're going to do. But for my family, we're going to follow the Lord. We're going to serve Him. Now, I'm going to raise the question right now to parents and moms, dads, grandparents. Have you said that about your family? And let me step on some toes right here. Parents, God did not put you here to win popularity contests. God did not give you those children so you could be their BFF. They don't need another best friend. They need parents. They need parents who will love them, who will teach them, who will train them, and who will set the example for them to follow. Parent, God puts you here to make this basic decision. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to follow Him. Let me say it again. Make it just as plain as I can. As long as your children are in your house, you're accountable for them. As long as they're under your roof and under your authority, God holds you accountable whether or not you give them spiritual guidance and spiritual leadership. <clears throat> you say, I don't know if I really agree with that or not, preacher. Okay, do you agree with God's Word? You may not agree with me, but do you agree with God's Word? Let me tell you a story. There was a priest thousands of years ago by the name of Eli. Now, Eli, he refused to give spiritual leadership and guidance to his two sons. Basically, he let them do whatever they wanted to do. And God said to Eli, he said to this father and to this priest, in 1 Samuel chapter 3, beginning verse 12, 
He says, In that day I will perform against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. Listen now. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows because his sons made themselves vile and he did not restrain them. Now that sounds to me like God's going to hold parents accountable and responsible. God says he knew what them boys were doing. He knew and he let it go. He didn't handle it. He didn't give them the guidance that they needed. Listen to me. If you want a healthy family, a happy family, a holy family, then let me tell you how it begins if you have never done this. First of all, dads, you need to commit your life to Jesus Christ. Give your life to Jesus Christ. That's step number one. And then after you give your life, commit your life to Christ, commit your family and your marriage to Christ. And then commit to pray for your wife and commit her to Christ. And commit your children to Christ. Commit to pray for them as well. Moms, dads, and here's here's why I am so passionate about this. Listen to me. You're not just influencing your kids. You're influencing future generations. Now let me drive the point home. That's what's wrong in our culture and country today. Parents have dropped the ball at being parents. Now I know. I'm going to get in trouble for saying this. I don't care. I'm tired of hearing it. I know people say, well, kids are just different today, Pastor. They're just different. No, they're not. They're kids. They're ignorant, and they don't know anything. They need to be taught. Kids have not changed. Parents have changed. I mean, that's simple. Next person says, well, kids have changed. They're just different. I may backhand them. Well, you know, I, I want them to have freedom. Well, you're giving them freedom to go right straight to hell with. Be a Christian, be a parent, and love them and lead them to Jesus. Now, let me ask you something. Or, or, or let me say this to you. Do you realize, parent, there's no greater calling in life nor, nor greater accomplishment in life that you can do than to see to it that your family knows the right God, loves the right God, serves the right God, obeys the right God, and spends eternity with the right God. That's the greatest calling you have as a parent. Now, let me ask you something. Is your family important enough to you for you to do that for them? Former President George Bush, George H. Bush, he was asked a question uh, in an interview several years ago. He said, what is your greatest accomplishment in life? And I was amazed when I read this the first time of what he said. Because there's a lot of things that, that, that George H. could have said. He could have said, well, I was a, a fighter pilot in World War II, got shot down and survived. He could have said, well, it was my, uh, uh, the fact that I was ambassador for the U.S. to China. He could have said, well, I was vice president and then president of the United States. He could have talked about his victory of the first Gulf War. He could have talked about his two sons. There were governors and one son that became president. But he didn't say that. When they asked him, said, what is your greatest accomplishment in life? This man who has accomplished all this, you know what he said? He said, my greatest accomplishment is that my kids still come home. Still come home. That's something to think about on Father's Day, 
I want to say this in closing. Children will always want to come home when that home is under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, when that home is obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ, because then that home is a place of safety. It's a place of security. It's a place that radiates with the love and the joy of Jesus. Now, who wouldn't want to be in a place like that? I'm going to close right here. It's your call, Dad. It's your decision. All the dads here. And my prayer is that you will say like Joshua, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And not just say it, but you'll set the example. You'll lead the way. You'll lead your family to worship the Lord, to work for the Lord, and to walk with the Lord. And you'll be the first. You'll set the example. Be the husband and the father that God's called you to be. You bow your heads, please. Father, I pray for those this morning that need to make a decision. There are those here who need to give their life to you. They need to surrender their life to the Lord Jesus Christ and establish that relationship with you. I pray they have the courage to do it this morning. I pray your Holy Spirit would convict hearts. I pray for those who perhaps need to rededicate their life. Maybe there are some parents here and they today, starting today, Father, they need to begin to live the life of a Christian parent that you've called them to live. Father, I pray for those who may have other things going on in their life. I don't know what difficulties they may face, but you do. Father, your word tells us that you're the God of all comfort. And I pray you'd reach down with that comfort and that love today and that grace. And you'd bring peace to their life if only you can. Father, I thank you that you love us. And as Samantha said, you are our great role model. I thank you that you loved us enough to give us your word. I pray we would not take it for granted, but we would study it. We would apply it to our lives to be successful in all areas of life. Successful according to your standards. In Christ's name, amen. Will you stand, please?